You don't seem like you're from around here. Mm -mm. Where are you from then? Far away. Oh. Where are you going? Lee, give it a rest. Stop asking the man personal questions, got it? Yes. So how'd you get that scar? Oh! It's not nice to bother people about things they might not want to talk about. A man's past is his business. Welcome back, everybody, once again to the Bitter Jurors podcast. We are a queer Avatar The Last Airbender superfan podcast. My name is Sam Stanish. I am so thrilled to be here today with the one and only, well, there's two of us, the, the second, the other co-host of the Bitter Jurors <laughs> podcast, Derek Reining. Yes, the one and only co-host of yeah. the podcast. I get that, yeah. Um, well, there could be a host and a co-host, but we're both co-hosts. So I just I trapped myself when I started saying one and only, then I wanted to say co-host, and then I was I didn't it didn't work. You know, it's okay. Uh, trial and error, all that. We're all learning and growing together. Yeah, you'd think I would have this figured out by now in our eighth or ninth month of podcasting, but I don't. Uh, today we're so lucky to be joined by a friend of the pod, a guest who was on earlier back in season one. Uh, he is a very funny writer and comedian, and I'm so thrilled he's back. Uh, Graham Techler's here. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm very, very excited uh, for this. So are we. Yeah, for real. Like that Sam told me Graham was coming back. I was like, hell yeah. I feel like... <laughs> Last time, what was the what was the last episode you did with us? Was it the storm or what? Uh, it was the John. deserter? Yeah, the deserter. Right, right. I feel like I don't know. We're always getting like the head, giving you like these heady ones. We usually <laughs> give you like some like village of the week ones sometimes. No, you know nothing that I love more than uh, than heady conversations about about Avatar. So for sure, mine. Yeah, I'm having like a head coldy um, <laughs> moment here. So that's what's going on with me. Sorry if I sound like I'm coming to you live from like um deep underground or something you sound normal to me but maybe uh, i, I mean i reach? guess that's rude yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm not noticing a difference uh, okay. well it sounds like this is going to be an episode of the podcast that is really crystallizing your your respective developments uh, and your overall mm -hmm. character arcs are going to be crystallized in a really perfect way in this one episode is what i'm is what i'm hearing we're gonna flash back to the moment derek got the sniffles to <laughs> yeah, figure exactly. out what caused it right yeah there's a lot of like sickness imagery before this you know like planting the seeds in the viewer's mind and totally and to leading up to sort of like powerful uh parallels between past you know sniffles and current sniffles exactly that's just good writing right there <laughs> yeah graham you uh, requested to be on the zuko alone episode if i don't uh mistake myself can you tell me a little bit about like where you how, about this episode for you well i initially i think after the last episode requested it almost like um like, oh, I, I bet somebody else is going to snatch this up already, but I might as well just ask it just in case, you know, because I kind of, you know, I, I, I think of this as like one of the, you know, signature episodes of the show. Um, and I also think there's like an interesting 
uh, cultural conversation around it as like one of the best episodes of the show and, and as sort of an episode that people use to sell other people on Avatar in general. Um, and so I thought that would be something I would love to talk with you guys about. Definitely. There's I, well, right at the start of our podcast, like right when it went on Netflix, there was an article that Derek and I talked about that was like, don't show people the first episode of Avatar, show them this episode because it shows them what the show can grow to become. I, like that. I pulled up uh, that very Verge article um, yeah. on my screen to to bring up. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that you guys have already discussed it. Which like, I don't. I don't I, get it. I, yeah, I, it's not for it's not the approach I would take with trying to get someone into this show. Like, this is a very, very good episode of TV, but I don't think if they don't like if they don't like the pilot episode of the show, they're not going to like watching the rest of the show. Um, and yeah, like, this is just like it's a testament to storytelling, and it's very good, but <laughs> I don't think it like shows off what the show becomes. Why? Well, yeah, I also just don't like. I I, I think it speaks to a um there can be i think we discussed this like last time i was on the show like there can be a difficulty in introducing people to avatar because the first stretch of episodes is a little bit more overtly geared uh towards kids and if you i think it's a show that wins you over regardless but like you know it might take you a couple episodes to get into it and i can understand the appeal of being like no go skip right to the most you know arguably the show's most like emotionally mature half hour uh, as a proof of concept for what everyone else, you know, what we talk about when we talk about Avatar The Last Airbender mm -hmm. in a way. But like, I don't think you would really, if you were to do that, I don't think you get uh, what the episode is giving you uh, if you do not have the lead up of everything else we know about this character in this world before we enter the plot of this, this, uh, this episode. So I understand the temptation uh, that this, you know, article is speaking to, but um, personally, I think it is. Uh, it's it's one of the one of the most rewarding episodes of the show because of everything percolating kind of under the surface of the world building the show has already done. When you finally get to this uh, moment, it's it's deeply satisfying every time I watch it. Agreed. Yeah, it's like I agree that it's like I don't understand the idea of like I'm going to show people the most like a typical episode of a show to get them into it. Yeah. Like, I guess, I guess that kind of makes sense if you're talking about like a long running show that has like a lot of um, like uh, episodic episodes throughout it, then sure. Show them like a really great episode, but it's like, there's only three seasons, 20 episodes each and 22 minutes each of the show. So it's weird to just like plop you in there and show you an episode that's only about one member of the principal uh, cast who is an antagonist for the first third of the show. Totally agree. Um, something else that I think is interesting about it is I think it is kind of the, you know, I feel like it has a lot to do with how we ascribe value, you know, uh, uh, to shows that are produced for young audiences is in how um how directly can we tie them to uh you know art that's created for adults and this is a show that just happens or this is an episode that just happens to wear its um influences on its sleeve a little bit more overtly and you can be an adult and watch the show and be like oh this is like this is like shane this is like yojimbo you know this is a very literal uh literalization of the east meets west kind of 
uh, aesthetic that is the entire series' pitch in a, in a way. This is like a, a very American story being told through a very, um, you know, a, a, a Japanese aesthetic and a Japanese, um, what's the word? I forgot the word I'm looking lens. for, but like lens. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that I think also leads people to be like, oh, this is, this is the, this is the show's finest half hour um, because we can kind of see the merit in front of us a little bit more easily here. Um, now, ironically, I, I'm, I might argue that this is like the show's finest half hour anyway, but I think it'd be more in terms of how it shows what it shows as opposed to what it's depicting. Yeah, right? I mean, I mean, I completely agree with, all, I think everything you just said, like adults love to try to make it so that the kids stuff that they enjoy isn't actually for kids or whatever to like cover themselves and that they like are enjoying something produced for kids when it's like, no, it's still like a kid's show. Uh, someone I know just tried watching Avatar because they knew I liked it and they made it through the first five episodes of the show and they said I don't think this is for me like I don't like it and I said you know what if you're not enjoying the episode where they meet King Boomy like you're right like you're probably not gonna like this show and that's okay uh, and I like could show him this episode and be like look at this super serious stuff that happens later and it's like well it probably won't have any effect on him because he doesn't know anything about the character. Uh, and yeah, it'll if, just be like a dark story that he could find out about. Right. Yeah, like if, if I need to tell you that Avatar The Last Airbender is actually about the Iraq war in order for you to start watching it, then it might not be, it might not be for you. Right. Yeah, I'm just here for the goofy animals and the fun fight. There are combinations of different animals already. Right. But mixed together. There's some great combinations of animals in this episode i mean turtle duck instant number one sorry purple oh, totally it's over no yeah contest. there's Turtle's also like the cutest. two different variations on the the pigs of the avatar universe like side by side in this episode you really get to see the kind of you know the variation there for sure so many different kinds of pigs there's like a chicken there's a deer cow <laughs> the whole shebang love it uh yeah speaking of like um, this episode being kind of very out there, very atypical. Like I noted that this episode, like there's no real dialogue until like almost three minutes in, which is like very different. Mm -hmm. So I feel like by the, by that time we've already established like a camp, it's usually like a camp scene with the main trio or something. Yeah. They've Funny already joke. had, yeah, like two or three quips have already been thrown around. And instead, like establishing characteristics about like who each character is. Exactly. Right. And, and instead in this, in the first three minutes, Zuko decides not to rob a pregnant woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. While he starves in the desert. That's how you know oh he's my gosh. The animation that they changed on him to make him look so gaunt. And that, especially gaunt, in the first opening scene, it was, it was like striking to me. I like had no memory of that. And I was like, they like, they perfectly portrayed what this would look like. Like he's been out on his own and I can already tell that he's like completely disheveled. Yeah, the shot of him asking for a bag of feed and a hot meal with the kind of, you know, uh, uh, Earth Kingdom thugs behind him. Like, there's this perfect shading on his cheek. It's just like, oh, yeah, he has not eaten for like days, you know? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, poor Zuko. He doesn't quite catch the break that the kids did with the, um, what was it, like water track money or whatever. Mm. Yeah, definitely not. <laughs> Felt a little more realistic. Like, if you don't have the right stuff, they're not going to give you a shit. Sorry. 
or at least not the right amount. And I guess he hasn't run into anyone he can rob in a, in a while. Non-pregnant people. Yeah, because like the last, his final confrontation with Uncle Iroh in the previous episode or the episode before is that like he's been stealing too much stuff and like so he doesn't like have a moral issue with stealing to survive. He just had. I guess he's been traveling over some like wastelands in the Earth Kingdom and hasn't run into any dupes he can you know take their stuff from right although something that i love about the you know the the moment when he is gonna rob the guy but then sees that he's traveling with his pregnant wife uh you know a future mother is that that's when we get our first glimpse of ursa as a you know phantom image uh in his uh, uh in his head uh i i thought that i did not remember it being that way that we don't see her initially in a flashback. We see her initially as this, uh, you know, just momentary uh, flash of guilt in his head that would compel him not to rob that woman. Yeah, it's um, very similar to almost like Katara's um, swamp vision of her mother. Yes. Very momentary. Um, yes. I like that sort of connection there between these two characters. I agree, and I—I I mean, yeah, I, it's this is the first because there hasn't even really been a reference to Suko and Azula's mom in this show so far. Like, it's sort of just something that you would think about and be like, "Where is she? What mm -hmm. is what's going on?" And it—it's uh, very gratifying to finally get like a refer a the understanding of like what the backstory is even though in this episode there's like still a lot of questions and like we wouldn't know what went on exactly based on just watching this and for years following the show i had no idea what actually happened uh right. and i don't want to spoil anything till after the etc but uh it's it's just fine i just remember finally seeing zuko's mom being like whoa she's such a nice lady right yeah it's surprising Mm -hmm. It's a great little twist, yeah, because um, we're, I don't know, so trained to expect Fire Nation people to just be, like, evil across the board. But no, she seems like a great mother and a great person. Um, and I also love that in our um, first, like, actual flashback we get, it's um, Zuko's, like, first thing he does, like, we when we see him as a young child, is, like, a really cruel, mean act to this animal. Um, and But then we also see his mother like tried to correct his behavior and tell him, no, that's wrong. And so it's almost like a little mini version of how viewers first encountered Zuko, where totally. we first see him as a villain or a bad person. And then we kind of, as you like analyze what he said, because before he does it, he says, this is how Azula does this. You kind of understand, Oh, he's like just mimicking behavior he's seen. And so it's kind of just like a little nugget of the Zuko story of he's just kind of a victim of circumstance or he's that, acting that little out. interaction is such a, such a telling interaction to start the entire flashback uh, element of this episode off on is that, yeah, it's is, and we, they dive pretty deep into it considering, you know, only half of an already short episode is, is, uh, is when we are living in flashback world, but that he is, yeah, that Azula is the um, person who his father seems to already have respect for. And uh, Ozai clearly does not have any respect for Zuko at all. So that he is, what's so telling me about it is that he immediately regrets it. Even, even before his mother scolds him, 
uh, for it. Like it does not come naturally to him to be that sort of, that sort of mean spirited. Um, it is something that he just feels like, oh, if this is the kind of thing that works for her, then maybe it will work for me. Um, right. Which is the entire arc of him as a character on the show in a nutshell. Yeah. yeah. They, they do a lot of really good, I mean, to go back to what they were, you guys were saying about the like seeing the Fire Nation person as like, not immediate, not immediately assuming they're evil, like showing us Ursa and showing us like these evil kids who like as like younger kids and like they just they're also innocent and like Zuko in like this in this first shot like we never we haven't seen Zuko without the scar since like the storm probably mm -hmm. and so just like you get remind he's just like so little and so cute <laughs> and uh it's just it's it's just such a it I it's such an interesting flashback really want to give sure. a, a shout out to the actress playing uh young may who nails the exact amount of vocal fry may <laughs> would have at that age like it's, sure. a, it's not no vocal fry but it's it's less vocal fry yeah not as but she hasn't had as many um smokes yet a, yeah uh, exactly not, she doesn't do a full pack a day quite yet <laughs> yeah exactly plus uh, her emotions are much more on her like the surface as opposed to the may we've come to know so far not enough young Ty Lee in this episode for me no yeah. she doesn't really do much um couple flips couple right. flips that's all i do want to say i love the like kitty like uniforms that they have like may's little buns are so cute like yeah I, great job with the character design in this episode absolutely i also say flashing back forward to the 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 present day uh uh this is i think my favorite zuko look are these couple episodes where he has uh, cut his hair and it's slightly grown back. He's not yet in kind of emo um, hair uh, in his eyes, uh, Zuko, but he's just sort of like crew cut Zuko um, in the Earth Nation uh, garb is I think the coolest look that he has throughout the show. And I love that hat. To... Yeah, that hat is great. Great hat. There's a hat like that you can get in um, Ghost of Tsushima, the PS4 game. Um, instantly equipped it because i was like i'm zuko now i look like season early season two zuko yes the best kind of zuko to look like uh yeah and so we were speaking about before about how like the show does a good job of like um flipping your expectations or like showing you fire nation people who aren't bad mm -hmm. but we also get to see earth kingdom people who are bad in this episode uh, yeah which is interesting. like they're straight up the villain of the episode um, and it's like a different kind of villain. Like we've seen obviously Jet and his crew, but they were like freedom fighters and we understood why they were doing what they were doing. But these guys are just dickheads. <laughs> I mean, not only are they the villains, but also like the town Zuko saves also turns on him. So like even the good people we've like come to know or like the town we like think are the like innocent people turn on him and become the villains of the protagonist of this episode too. Uh, yeah, that's this is where this episode becomes like next level good as uh, for me is is that it is really about um, you know it's an episode about Zuko living amongst and occupied uh, people and that he's not only seeing the immediate effects of the war uh, in the Earth Kingdom but he's he's seeing the sort of ripple effects of the war of that because they've essentially the fire nation has destabilized this this region it's been uh, that's what's propelled these sort of like uh, mafioso-esque uh uh 
guys to start bullying and stripping the whole place for everything it's worth. Um, and that he's seeing basically uh, uh, that I love that he's seeing a side of the where it's not just that he is, uh, they run into some mean fire nation soldiers and he sees how mean uh, the fire nation is to, to him. If they don't know that he's Prince Zuko, it's, it's that he's seeing uh, a couple steps down the line of what was the effect of Sozin launching this invasion. And he's never thought about the cause and effect of it before. Right. Yeah. We get that first with song before where we get to see like a a person who is yes. so parallel to his own experience, like literally has a scar and has everything. Scar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, these are like the ripple effects. Um, and it's important that it's not so straightforward. Like you said, like the idea of like, Oh, he encounters evil fire nation people and learns, Oh, fire nation people bad. I should stop being bad too. Like Zuko really doesn't learn the right lesson by the end of the episode, I think, or like not the full lesson. Um, because, uh, like skipping way ahead to the climax of the episode <laughs> um when his mother says remember who you are zuko his interpretation of that is i am the prince of the fire nation and, and you, you can't should, push me around yeah yeah you have to respect me um and there is a cute little i like that he says his mother's name first before fire lord oh, yeah. I. Um, but it's like no what his mother was at least what i assume she was trying to say is no remember who you are zuko you're not the guy who throws rocks at turtle ducks you're the nice kid who wants to just help a family in need when they're in yeah. trouble. There is an element to the end of the episode where I think another reason that I think this, the characterization of this episode is so rich is that I do think he does learn part of the correct lesson that he is going to, uh, that we'll get into after the, in the spoiler section, but he we'll we'll get to it. I'll, I'll say we'll get to it. Uh, later. <laughs> Uh, well, can, let's talk more about um, uh, Iroh in this. We get a picture of him in the flashback. We see, we first hear from him when Ursa receives a letter from him, and we get the visual of him like writing it out actually at the warfront. Um, and it was just it's a very different Iroh from what we've come to know. Even though Azula already has like these built up understandings of him as like this goofy guy like he's like laughing about taking over bossing say and stuff like yeah that. if we don't burn it to the ground first <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah my like, note was like not not them laughing at war crimes <laughs> yeah, yeah come on man. but i'm i'm glad that both zuko and azula laughed at the joke because they both <laughs> thought it was funny for i guess kind of different reasons like zuko is just laughing because he understands it's a joke Zula's laughing because she she's like hell yeah that's like that shit funny to her. and the scene yeah. the, the the scene of um them both getting gifts from Iroh I think is uh, uh really impressive she she gets the you know he gets the cool uh Earth Kingdom knife she gets the the tough ish kind of uh <laughs> doll and I think it is uh, it's interesting to see like the characterization of young Azula where she's obviously very much the younger version of the character that we already know, but we're seeing that she a is being like her father is the only one really encouraging the things that she's interested in, and b Iroh, Iroh, the man who is at this point next in line uh, to become Fire Lord, very much does not understand what Azula is interested in, and she does not feel very seen by him, and it, which I think motivates her kind of encouragement of the notion that that uh that ozai would supplant iroh 
in a way that's not like she's a she's just a crazy little girl. It's like no, she wants a place for herself in this kingdom, and she does not feel like she's going to get that unless her father is the one who takes over. Yeah, I mean, Iroh just fully doesn't understand. Like, he clearly knows what Zuko will like, and I mean, there's just already favoritism that you can tell is like potentially like, affecting her from the crown prince of the mm -hmm. nation, and like that's very real and it's like not through i'm sure it's like i mean it's iro could obviously pay better attention to her, his niece but it's like there's just like connection there probably between him and zuko because yeah. like I, I don't know like iro has a son and like like zuko is just like another is like a boy thing probably it's probably very uh just it is like a little misogynist probably that like iro it's such an I, uncle move it's like yeah an right. uncle doesn't know what to get his niece that she'll actually like like yeah. he's just so out of it you know for sure um it's interesting the war front yes um it's interesting there's like two different like little moments here that feel like they're kind of setting ozula up to be like define these gender roles that people are setting up for her like before that doll thing obviously um we also get uh that scene where azula is putting the apple on may's head yeah um and zuko like as his mom shows up he's like girls are crazy and like in a normal kid show, the, like the scene preceding that would have been like a goofy, um, like just little like romp of like, haha, I tricked you into like falling on the girl. But it's like there's a sinister undertone to it because Azula was totally fine with someone getting hurt in that moment. Yes. It was like a very yeah. cruel act on her part. So yeah, she it's like fire at her friend. She's she. We've now seen her threaten both May and Tylee with her firebending. <laughs> right. So I think it's interesting that Azula and like these two different instances is like meeting these like gendered sort of expectations of herself and saying, uh, no, thank you. I'm going to be a sociopath. <laughs> Especially well, because we've all, I mean, I don't know how much of a joke it is, but like we've seen her modeling, throwing bread at a turtle duck to Zuko before or whatever. Like, I don't know if that's like an exact replica of what she did, but like obviously hurting animals is a sign of mental disorder. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, so sadly the show, I mean, doesn't really have time to like really, really like show you actual like sociopathy, but I mean, it's there. We, we understand what Azula's deal is, I guess. I think one of the great things about uh, there's a um, going back to kind of the conversation around this episode is like, this is the, you know, most sophisticated avatar episode is there's a great episode, uh, a great video essay um, from Captain Midnight on YouTube, where he talks about the constraints that avatar works around in terms of what you can depict on a kid show is uh, something that he compares to how, you know, films in the 30s and 40s would work around the the Hayes code or something it's just like there's certain things that you can't show you can't show Luten dying in a in a, a graphic way but you can get the emotional effect of how that affects uh people on the home front and how that starts to form their attitudes towards this war um and i think that's something this this episode which is tackling you know as we talked about slightly uh, uh darker the whole second season really is like tackling uh, darker aspects of the world of Avatar, but it's doing so, I, I think, really elegantly, um, uh, picking and choosing what it wants to show us uh, and letting the rest of the implications of that kind of flesh out in our imagination, which is what I love about the the whole 
interactions Zuko has with his family and these bullying Earth Kingdom soldiers. Yeah, like, yeah, I love um, everything about this interaction with the Earth Kingdom family because to me, this almost feels like Zuko unconsciously kind of answering Aang's question that he was posed back in the Blue Spirit, which yeah. is the idea of if things were different, would we be friends? And so it's, this is kind of Zuko kind of living out that question that Aang had for him. Like, he is in a different circumstance. He, these people don't know who he is, and he does seem to be developing. A at least like an almost older brother relationship with this kid. The and the kid feels very consciously styled after Aang in a couple different ways. He's got a similar kind of goofy laugh. Uh, uh, yeah, in a lot of ways, he's just sort of his energy like is they're... just very like the the prodding and questioning of all the stuff is like it's not like exactly Aang, but it's very like twelve year old boy, which is like totally what yeah. Is. I yeah. love that the you know uh, the mom and the family volunteers uh zuko to work on the barn uh before it's not like he says like i'll i'll work for you guys if you provide me with a meal he refuses the meal and she just says oh okay you'll work on the barn and then we'll feed you because we just, he, she just can immediately tell this guy is way too proud to accept a handout like he's just not going to do it unless we put him to work i think that's such a nice little bit of characterization for her as well mm -hmm. Yeah, she's very observant. And um, yeah, like Zuko's pride is something I had never really thought about before, like this watch through. But it's something I noted back when he and Iroh were like begging for scraps was like Zuko was upset in that moment because, I mean, in this episode, like he takes obviously a lot of pride in his station, even if it's not like he's not really recognized as being of that station by his father or, or his sister or anything. Um, and so, yeah, his pride is like a big thing that I had never really thought about Zuko's character until this watch through, but it's definitely there. And I like that that's kind of consistent. Mm -hmm. It's interesting that like in the scene when, cause he's essentially, you know, there's the scene when uh, uh, the kid, I forget the kid's name, but the kid takes his swords and sneaks out to like chop up, you know, a, a log with them. And when Zuko comes and, uh, corrects him he shows he says you're not wielding them correctly don't think of them as separate because they're not they're just two different parts of the same whole which is i love i love on a show when a character vocalizes a, a, a metaphor that they won't internalize for like another season and a half or something <laughs> right. like you know right. that is so that is such a, a true to character thing for him and he's not seeing how it applies to himself he's only seeing how it applies to his you know his main his main weapon. Yeah, it's just about swords, guys. Don't worry. It's just about swords. Don't worry. Guys. I don't have two halves. Don't worry about it. <laughs> that need to be united. Yeah. yeah. That's funny. Uh, yeah, that seems cute to me because it's like that's what the typical sort of like road warrior, like um, Seven Samurai character who comes in is like just like an effortless sort of badass who like can do whatever. I love, <laughs> but I love that it's like a contrast to like a less traditional scene before, which is when Zuko clearly has no experience with manual labor and is just like smashing those nails with the hammer. I, I love that scene. It's so funny. Cause it's like, you expect the mysterious stranger to just be so good, good at everything. At, yeah. yeah. But he's just like, like yeah, he's like 16 years old or whatever. It's like me trying to help my dad with a project as a child or even now. <laughs> like, yeah. And he's like, Derek, hand me the Allen wrench. And you're like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. I yeah. And then he gives the I love that he gives the guy the kid his knife. And so I I love that he's like, read the inscription. Made, <laughs> made in the in Earth, Earth Kingdom. Kingdom. Yeah. It's a pretty it's, joke it's light episode, but that's like one of the better jokes 
in it. Uh, For sure. And it's yeah. just like it. It we that that object already has. Once we know that it came from Iroh, it immediately takes on greater significance. And so, uh, you know, still waters run deep with Zuko a lot, but the fact that he is giving away this gift uh, is indicates to us very clearly, like, oh yeah, he he has taken to this family and this kid in particular strongly and quickly. Um, which will be important as the episode goes along. Yeah, but it's tragic because it like immediately backfires and the kid like uses the knife to like... <laughs> and the mom's like, I don't even know who gave my kid a knife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that inscription though because it is also like pretty... It's just a rewording of another thing that his mom says to him, which is um, you're, like he says, you're someone who keeps fighting even when it's like hard or tough or whatever she says after he does his extremely slow fire bending technique demonstration. Um, yeah, where it's like Zuko, it doesn't seem like fire bending is your problem. It feels like you just can't like stand up or like <laughs> <laughs> land on your feet correctly. Yeah, he maybe he didn't stretch beforehand. He was just really, he was really cramped. stiff. Yeah. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. The most important <laughs> thing about fire bending is your breath and your ability to stand on one foot. Yes. No, totally. Apparently. Yeah. Um I, I think the the direction of the episode, because obviously this is I think the most we sea of ozai up to this point um for sure just in terms of but and and yet the episode i think is very carefully directed to continue to hide his eyes um without it feeling forced yeah i mean yeah they do a really good job of like moving around that uh you definitely can notice because like we're obviously seeing characters like azulon and like all these different mm -hmm. people but we just don't get to see ozai which i like I like that they're applying this like Jaws principle. Just don't show him until like the exactly, very yeah. last moment. Um, I literally never noticed that they did that until we started talking on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All we get is um, his little top knot with, with the gigantic sort of thing. Every time that happens, I get scared. Like he's definitely going to get stabbed in the head with that thing. Oh, yeah. The, the little like <laughs> crown yeah. uh, comb that they like put into yeah their heads it's yeah it's freaky it is what um, if what if the what if your hair doesn't have as much volume as uh as you think it does yep you're just fully getting stabbed right you're in the cranium stabbed in the head <laughs> and they don't have healers in, fire, in the fire nation as far as no, we know not. so uh can we can, as, as well. can we talk about how azulon's punishment is crazy <laughs> it's like right crazy. well he really like hard. immediately start firebending at his son is that what happened no, he's like, uh, he's like, uh, you will have to kill your, you will have to know the pain of losing a firstborn. Right. Uh, well, son. that's according to Azula. According that's to Azula, Azula always lies. It's true. Yeah. Oh, because that's like, also wait, what were you gonna say? Well, because like they, we don't see what happens, but like, uh, what's it? Ozai is like, make me the heir, and Sozin, you know, Azulon is like no and then we <laughs> cut away and there's just like big fire it's like is that just like that thing where like he's breathing in a lot and it's getting bigger or like i think are, so is he like i always blast that way yeah it's like his anger is like making the flames grow higher which is always cool. what I whenever right. a fire lord is like behind a little badass wall of fire and the fire kind of swells up as they're you know the same thing happens with jong jong same thing happens with uh, a couple different characters always cool it is. Oh, it's yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it speaks to the idea of fire kind of being its like own little thing among the elements. It's like life almost. Um, it's really cool. Mm -hmm. I guess um, I was just thinking about like if that 
was a fire fight like what that means for like i mean because it's it's like azulon hit ozai who hit zuko that sort of yeah thing. But that, like, there's no like star on ozai. yeah right uh, yeah that would be an interesting angle too but like we said like it's that's kind of like the a good thing about this episode to me is like the the mystery of it. It's like there's enough doubt there to like question totally. like is Azula telling the truth? What I, actually did happen? Like, I forgot you know. I kind of forgot until rewatching it how unresolved it leaves that whole thread. Um and we'll get into it later in the spoiler section, but like it, you know, they don't really circle back to this for a, a while. Right. Yeah. For sure. Uh I yeah, it's it is very it's sort of like you get a lot of I don't even know if you really get answers. You sort of find out things about the backstory of yeah. <laughs> the Fire Nation royalty that you didn't even think about before, and then you are left with like questions. <laughs> like you don't really, you don't, you don't learn anything you thought you didn't know already, but you learn new things, and then those things are like, wait, what? Why? What happened? To, what happened to his mom? Where'd she go? What? Right. Like all that sort of stuff. Uh -huh. yeah i like that because it's like what character is going to tell that to zuko like yeah it's it makes sense i think um but uh i also like speaking kind of to this idea like i guess we were kind of referencing when zuko gets a scar from his dad mm -hmm. i do love um the earth kingdom soldiers mentioned something about like putting like the newer recruits up front or something like that and like of course like i feel like it's a pretty intentional parallel to what made zuko stand up yeah uh in the throne room yeah, which was great point. essentially the same I, like the fire nation was doing the same thing of putting these new recruits the notion of meat. using soldiers as bait um is like particularly intolerable to him uh that is i'd never put that together that's that's really great mm -hmm. and they i all... mean that's what, what were you saying oh no sorry go ahead well, I was just gonna say that's like it plays into Zuko, like this. Um, we're getting this these reminders that Zuko's a naturally very empathetic person. Um, like when he when they receive the news of Luten, Zuko's first thought is like, imagine how Iroh feels right now. Yeah, like that's sad. his first. Yeah, he's that's his instinct, his which is like pretty big for like a child to think that way. To not totally. think immediately, how do I feel about this? It's I'm thinking about how does my uncle feel about it. Um, and Azula is obviously a big. <laughs> like the exact opposite, not feeling anything for her uncle. Um, yeah, I think one of the things that's most artistically um, accomplished about this episode from a writing perspective is all of the parallels between the flashback scenes and the uh, the the scenes in the village. And, you know, as you said, like stuff that has happened earlier in the show, like those things are drawn very clearly, but they're not drawn uh, in a really on the nose way. Like we're picking up on everything this the show is putting down, but it never feels like, oh, okay, I see, I see what you're doing. You know, like it feels very elegant the way that something in the village will sort of prompt a memory from Zuko that echoes it in some way. Uh, it, it's it's uh, like when Azula says, you know, maybe maybe you could find a nice Earth Kingdom family to adopt you uh, if dad's, you know, going to going to kick you out or kill you like that is just, a, you know, and the Lieutenant stuff and the, the older brother like they're all it's all very it's not, you know, it's not super subtle the way they do it, but it's it's very uh, gracefully done. I think uh, it sure. really makes the episode feel complete and and uh, uniting the two halves without like bonking us on the nose with the point um too hard for sure yeah it just feels like one of those things someone would say and it ends up being like significant later exactly. but not even yeah. like 
I don't know. It's not like that's a huge part of the like. It's not like they actually are like we want to adopt you, Zuko. It's like no, no. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's unforced. like you said. It's yeah, yeah. It's very subtle. I like it. Uh, yeah. yeah, and ultimately I, we do find that Azulon did decide to change the order of the heirs of the throne, which is not something we even knew could happen before this episode. Not something I would even think about. Uh, I, I just would have always assumed that Zuko's dad is older than Iroh, and that's why Iroh is not the Fire Lord. But we find out in this episode that he is, he was going to be in line for the throne. And then I think that that, like, probably really stresses Zuko out that, like, his not only was his dad not gonna become like okay first of all Zuko then becomes in line for the throne which is like something he probably never expected to and even end up ever being yeah but he's but he's also then confronted with the idea that like he might not be like because right. his dad yeah. already favorites Azula <laughs> so much that like even though he is the older sibling like he like He'll, he'll probably have like so, be so disrespected by his father that like he'll be misordered in the line for the throne and Azula will take over that position. Right. And I mean, he's also probably, I feel like fearing for his life at this point, because for all he knows, Azula didn't just drop dead. Like something happened and now his mom's gone. He doesn't even know if she's still alive. Like, I feel like he's probably scared. Like his family, his father and his sister are willing to literally kill their own family to gain something. So I, yeah, poor Zuko. <laughs> Stressful childhood for Zuko. Yeah. yeah. I mean, cause yeah. we, we don't see any other, like, cause we know Iroh loves him, but he's not really in this episode. And then we see his mom leave, leave. So yeah. like, and we don't really see any other support system at all in his like flashback. And he clearly yeah. feels abandoned by Ursa, even though he can already tell there's something fishy about her disappearance. Um, it's 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 really a tough. I mean, does do here's a question: Does Zuko have m more daddy issues or mommy issues? It's kind of a toss up. It is. I'm trying I to think. think. Daddy issues. I think yeah. probably daddy issues. Too, as but. someone, well, I don't know. I've been recently rewatching ne Neon Genesis Evangelion, and that's always a great question to ask yourself about the characters in that show: Is do they have more daddy issues or mommy issues? And I feel like, like in that show, the answer is probably it's a little column A, column B. It's mm -hmm. uh, pretty good, head. Good theoretical lens to run any any uh, TV show. Right. And I mean, like to me, Zuko definitely has a lot of um, comparisons to Shinji, the main character of Evangelion, in the sense that he also does not have a mom in his life, and he like doesn't remember much about her, but he's effect has affection for her, and his dad is a huge asshole um, that he hates, mm -hmm. <laughs> but he still seeks um, at, like validation from. Um, and I mean, we know that these creators are fans of Evangelion because they've said outright that uh, the Hey My Spirit was, ins was inspired lot, yeah. <laughs> by it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just lucky happenstance that I happen to be rewatching that. And now, now I'm like noticing every time a mother is on screen, I'm like on high alert. I'm like, this has to be important somehow symbolically because mothers. <laughs> but yeah, unfortunately, Avatar does not delve quite into the Freudianism to the level Evangelion does. Um, <laughs> No, that would I mean, definitely we, be hard to put past the censors. Very few of the, I mean, we've talked about this before. There are just very few older 
female characters on the show in general and in most cases for the mom specifically they're either dead or disappeared or from 100 years ago or i mean toff's mom we were just introduced to and like she has sent a bounty hunter after her daughter and otherwise like i mean i don't know i guess Toph has a lot of parent issues compared to like the rest of the gang i think Oh, for oh, sure. I mean, big time, yeah. yeah. I feel like for like Katara and Sokka, like their mother, like she passed, like as far as we know, she's like was taken from them, um, mm-hmm. pretty brutally, which is a little different from Zuko, who had doesn't really have the answers about where his mom is. He's left with a lot of uncertainty. That that uh, at least there's closure there. Yeah, They're like they had closure. Tyler took them. I understand that conceptually. What happened? Yeah, right. And their dad, they love their dad, and their dad loves them. He's just not present at the moment but he's not present because he's protecting them yeah i think i would say my i mean if i had to have a hot take about avatar it's i think uh Sokka and guitar's dad is a nicer guy than uh ozai oh yeah, yeah that is a so. hot take you think, you think i'm fair to say i'm not gonna <laughs> rock the, am i gonna rock the boat too hard by bringing that up i don't know we might have um, to <laughs> distort your voice uh black out your name yeah the, exactly protection me right um in terms of attractiveness, though, that's a whole other story we can get into. <laughs> oh, that who is more attractive? The uh, DILF rankings of Avatar. That's, God, a, that's whole... a tough, real tough nut to crack. I mean, you Hello. can really... I'm looking to crack some nuts. In that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah, um, so I liked the, um, speaking of, like, the motherhood sort of theme of the episode is I like that at the end, the mom physically is putting herself between her son and this presumably yeah. bat he's a firebender so why wouldn't she assume he's a bad the, person? The I mean, final sequence yeah. is just like amazing uh, it's just next really next level um even for this this show uh yeah. i think the cool i i think when i was i was re-watching it today and i think i think the coolest thing zuko does on this entire show is when he takes out one of the earth kingdom soldiers without even fully drawing his sword yeah. and the shot of him like resheathing it with the sunset behind him and the sun sort of glinting off the blade is I I think one of my favorite shots of the entire series. Every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, it's fucking on, man. Like here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's so cool. And man, I feel like this fight scene feels very different from a lot of others because I feel like you really, really feel the weight of those rocks that are hitting Zuko. It looks really painful. Brutal. Yeah. And well, like the you... guy's so big, he's wielding dual hammers and is using them to earth. First of all, like there's cool. so much weight all yeah. around. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's, I mean, we've never seen anything like that before. So, I, again, just like very cool use of weaponry in this show. Yeah. People don't really use weapons to augment their bending a ton on the show i think it happens but i mean this is the only time we see zuko do that with firebending um i kind of wish that we would that he did that more often um but we definitely you know with the guy with the hammers and then uh it's just very i mean the whole thing is staged very you know it's it's very like a kurosawa kind of thing like he's sort Mm of uh there's like this diagonal tension between him and every other uh soldier and he's taking them out one by one and it, it doesn't feel, you know, convenient or stilted. It feels very tense all the way through. Um, and uh, the, the, yeah, it's just that, that, that one, um, the kind of final blow that knocks him out and like sends him into a flashback is, uh, is really rough. It's like, it, it really is like the point at this point in the show, especially with earth bending, now that they're spending more time in the earth kingdom, they've really figured out how to make those, those hits feel really, significant 
Um, it's especially like good to contrast that to the last episode when we saw the Earth Rumble. It's like that was very like professional wrestling. Like yeah, it's pretty cartoony. Yeah, yeah, big flashy moves. Like no one seemed to really be getting that hurt. Um, and then this one, you feel those rocks hitting Zuko, and you can feel like you can feel Zuko's frustration that he can't use firebending in that moment. Yeah, like he's just essentially fighting with one hand tied. Yeah, he's barely back. barely keeping up, and you can feel that he's like. Yeah, you can feel the frustration. You can feel that he knows that he could easily take this guy out and yet has to restrain himself. And the restraint eventually becomes too much. Uh, like when he finally like does a little fire whirlpool out and around him, this, the, the smoke coming off of his swords. Cool. Let me let me just yeah. say <laughs> like, cool. that rules, you know, not not from a not from like a analytical stamp, you know, like that's just cool. And every TV show should have smoking hot swords i think absolutely in a fair world <laughs> um yeah like you said though it's like not of i mean it is triumphant in the sense that this character we care about is like winning a fight but it's like the music goes very it's like the music you hear when the villain is winning is what we hear yeah the, the signature fire nation theme comes back in right yeah and he's i yeah. think in that moment i mean we sort of it's kind of horrific that he like has to use firebending in this moment because he like carved out this group of people who like don't absolutely despise him and perhaps have positive feelings for him for the first time in like months probably other than Iroh. but and it's just like it's awful to like have, have to know that like once he does this he becomes a villain in their eyes especially because like they even know that he is dishonored like they know that he is yeah. not recognized by the the crown of the fire nation and so like the guy shouts at him and he's like that guy even his dad doesn't like him and it's like <laughs> yeah so like maybe there's something we could build on here where like, <laughs> he's not he's not yeah, in line right out of town taking over i think it's it's uh it's interesting because am i wrong or in this is it in the storm when that story is revealed like zuko's soldiers at the time think it was like a training accident or something like they don't even realize like that's not a widely known story as of a couple months ago and that the sort of the legend of zuko as a dishonest or a dishonored prince seems to have spread rapidly as his own station has sort of like plummeted in the world uh i i love how that just reinforces like yeah this guy's got no home he's got no allies he's got nothing he right. is truly Zuko alone. <laughs> yeah, he says that at the end, right? He's like, man, I'm yeah. Zuko alone. And I'm just lowers his hat. Zuko alone. Yeah. He like lowers his hat. I was just waiting for, yeah, him to go through um a uh what like uh customs. Someone to ask him is, hey, what's your last name? <laughs> oh, I don't have a last name. I'm all alone. Zuko alone. I like that. <laughs> Obviously that was, one of, the, that that was one of the questions stuck. I wasn't asking myself and uh, was finally answered. Yeah. yeah, he's let's set up how Zuko got a lead on a, a hot tip for a real big gangster. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Wonder who could that well, we talk about, that could be. We talk about shows that have flaming swords in them. Yeah. Star Wars say. is perfect. I, the, the, the OG flaming sword. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, also, Amelia Clark is in Solo. She's also in Game of Thrones, Flaming Swords. Hello. We're seeing a pattern emerges. Order is, emerges from the chaos. This is the kind of parallels that I come to this podcast for. It's what <laughs> right. everyone is saying right now. 
It is. <laughs> All right. Um, so, uh, yeah, any other, I guess, thoughts on the episode before we get into spoiler territory? I feel like there's plenty to talk about in that regard. Definitely lots to talk about, spoiler-wise. Right. You're, no you're thoughts. All, yeah. no thoughts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, Graham, do you want to tell people where to find you before they dip um, out of the waters of spoilers? Oh, here? that's right. Yes, yeah, some people might be dipping. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, uh, it's at gr8h8m underscore t3chl3r. I think last time we went over that that was maybe a bit too much to remember <laughs> all at once, but. Um, is is Graham Teckler not available? It's not the most. No, I just name. like to be difficult, Sam. I just like to make it harder to <laughs> to succeed. That's totally fair. Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, you can find me at Rain Derricks on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at Bitterjurs Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm Massive Stanish on Instagram and Twitter, and I have another podcast called Word on the Streets, where we talk about street culture. It's a lot of fun. Thanks. Let's talk spoilers. This episode, like all flashback episodes, just is rife with things to talk about. For sure. Yeah, I mean, like we said, like we really don't get any resolution within the series uh, on Earth's side. I mean, that's like kind of the big thing in the finale. Like that's one of the very last scenes is Zuko asking his asking. dad about. Yeah. Um, I think it's his so last it's like, line of dialogue, I, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so yeah it's like obviously even the show knows that it, this is kind of a big mystery i don't think we get is do we we flash back to that flashback in i want to say day of black sun part two probably like before the confrontation with osai i, would I think it's during the guess. conversation with otai when he's like don't you want to know what happened to your mother and we get right. we get what happened after zuko chickened out and ran away uh didn't want to see anymore um right and uh yeah, it's like, wow, they really they really hold that that hand for a pretty significant amount of time. Well, right. it's I mean, I think it's a failing of the show that they like don't that they set this up for a comic book series. Like, that's, yeah. it, I, <laughs> I mean, it, it, it yeah. can't be a, it can't have been their intention, but like this is just like badly done. <laughs> I just think this. that just speaks more to book three's. Um, la I don't know. Book three, it feels like it needs to be five or even. 10 like 10 more episodes long honestly that's um, fair that's that's uh that's a fair even though i love a lot about book three but uh, yeah Same. i feel like yeah um that's just one of those things i mean i under i do appreciate uh the idea of like having this kind of mystery for zuko to solve but i agree i don't like it as sequel bait for a comic book that's not quite true i think that, that that final scene with him and ozai i think is a good scene and it's cool yeah. the way they leave it but it's i you know I, yeah, that's just the kind of thing that I wish we get a little bit more closure on, um, sure. but we do not. Yeah, but but like as I, I mean, I don't think I've actually read the comic series where they go and find his mom, but I I think it has to do with like Ko the face dealer and like she has been living in the Earth Kingdom all these years as like a different under a different face, even. Yeah. It's, it's very high concept and it doesn't really feel like the show to me um for sure yeah, it was, yeah but i don't even like, i'm not yeah. even sure at this at the time of recording why she left does she have did she assassinate Azula? yes she yes. yes she that's her thing that's the trade that's her made. whole thing well that that was her thing she was going to take the fall so for, that that's for why i always assumed that azula was telling the truth in this instant that she was like yeah it, it's it's uh azulan said 
you have to kill you have to kill Zuko to kind of get some perspective on what you just told me. And uh, when Ursa hears about that, she's like, "Okay, what if instead I will kill your dad if you agree to kind of drop the whole Zuko thing?" And then for that, she has to be cast out. Yeah. And then the they forge, the then they forge a will that says that. Ozai becomes. I guess I always assumed they they lied. I think it was just yeah. like, a, like, like oh, yeah. on my father's deathbed, I did hear him tell me that, um, and obviously I didn't see this coming, but he did ask that I would be Fire Lord instead, which I'm graciously willing to do uh, if yeah. someone wants to put a, a comb in my top knot. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. that Iroh is like fine with that. Like, I, I don't think he probably wants to be. Right. I mean, that was probably part of it because they probably thought Iroh wouldn't put up a fight if this happened. Um, yeah, he'd be like, sounds great. It seems yeah. like a, a real hassle being Fire Lord. Definitely. I um, mean, this death really shakes Iroh. Obviously, he lost his son, but like, he goes from being the leading general of the fire nation and like ready to take over the country that's taking over the world to like joining a secret organization that is in like service of peace and uh, balance in the world and like totally against his current like line of thinking. Totally. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's like one of the, that, that sort of, that's that that character change is something that the show doesn't really dive into a whole lot. We don't really see what happens in between him being like a rah rah Fire Nation uh, guy in, into being these a lot more enlightened um, uh, internationalist kind of thinker that he ends up being. Yeah, we don't really know when he joined the. Order of the White Lotus. So it's like, was that sort of, it's like hard to know which one came first. Was he like part of this group or like, did they approach him? So yeah, there's a lot unknown about. I've always kind of felt that it was something that he, once he was kind of out in the world, uh, you know, because they, they, they talk about like, oh, you've been exposed to the spirit world a little bit, which yeah. goes on a whole show's worth of, of adventures that, um, that we just don't see any of that kind of sure. caused him to be a bit more a lot more um enlightened in his line of thinking in that way i mean i think it's a really good parallel to zuko like he didn't have a understanding of the horrors of war until he was like directly confronted with them even though it took him so much longer to like understand but i don't like i i would like I would like to know more, I guess. That's my that's my general thinking on all of the characters in this episode. I'm like, this is all great, but I, I'd like there to be more here. Well, that's that dovetails pretty perfectly into what I, I stopped myself from bringing up pre-spoiler section, which is, you know, I do think that you're, you're totally right. He does, like, somewhat take away the wrong thing from Ursa's instructions of just remember who you are and he thinks of it as remembering his birthright uh in the real imperialist kind of sense of it um i do think weirdly by the i love that at the end of this episode the villagers turn on him immediately but what i love even more than that is that zuko gets understands why he doesn't actually fault them for turning on him and i think by the end of this episode zuko basically understands the truth that he tells Ozai uh, during their confrontation in season three, where he says, you know, the, the, the fire nation doesn't like uh, the fire nation hate uh, the rest of the world hates the fire nation. 
and we deserve it. And I think by the end of this episode, he basically understands that that's the truth because when the kid and his mom turn on him, he doesn't, he's not like, Hey, what the hell? I just saved you. Right. He I hammered all those nails for you. And he, I hammered your whole, your dad's roof. You know, um, he basically understands why they're not, why they turn on him. It just takes sure. him. And it was one of the things about his arc that I think is really true to life is that you realize the truth before you're really able to live by that truth. And I think the fact that this early in season two, he's exposed to what, is going to fully turn him around as a character. It just, it takes him a while to really start to live by that. And that tension, I think, really fuels the rest of Zuko's arc now that he's been thoroughly exposed to the rest of the world for, you know, almost half a season at this point. Definitely. And I mean, yeah, it's like he, I think I agree, he like learns that sort of lesson. But I also think um, it really feeds into his eventual decision in Crossroads of Destiny where he just oh, yeah. chose his lineage and his um, family over his true self, which is the empathetic, good Zuko who understands that the Fire Nation is bad and he mm -hmm. needs to be fighting for good. It's too um, deeply rooted in him to give up that easily. Right. So yeah, I like that that's kind of planting the seeds for like, he's going to make this have to make this decision again and he's going to choose wrong again. Um, which so is like why that. he beats up at himself so much, you know, uh, during the beach episode and later. Uh, yeah, I, I love all the season three stuff that, you know, the, the early season three stuff that is him back at home, but having the events of these episodes weigh very clearly and heavily on him throughout all of that. I think the show does a really nice job of showing that he, he can put his hair back up in the top knot and he can put on the fancy robes again, but he kind of can't get these memories of experiences like the ones in, you know, this episode out of his head that easily. Yeah. I mean, it's the thing we were talking about and making jokes about earlier with like the two halves of the same hole with the sword. Like, and yeah. I think that parallels perfectly and probably intentionally when, with his like visions and dreams later, when he's like having a full body reaction to like, I don't know what, what is he, what is he, he like freaked out because he like, he Didn't, saved Appa. He saved Appa. And so, like, he, like, has the oh, visions right. of the, like, two dragons, one with Ira's voice and one with Azula's voice. And, like, I think what Graham is saying here, like, where he goes back to the Fire Nation, like, is the Fire Lord. And eventually he or is, is the prince. And eventually he does become the Fire Lord again. He, like, both of those things are him. And, like, it's, like he just needs to find the way to balance out his, like, side that is the Fire Lord and the crown prince of the nation and the sympathetic person it's not like he's remember who you are is that he's both of them because he's born into this lineage and he's like a good right. person underneath it all but that yeah and that also is kind of the lesson of the avatar and the fire lord episode where he learns yeah. that he oh, is yeah. both of those things he is sozin and roku's grandson um so yeah i agree it's definitely like a two halves um that he learned needs to learn to balance not necessarily that he needs to ignore that he can't comes from this these people it's just that he needs to learn that he also needs to recognize that he isn't those people. He's yeah. he comes from them, but he doesn't have to be them. He can be his own thing, um, which I love. But uh, I, we kind of been, been talking referencing like the bossing say bossing say arc, um, and I also want to say Zuko managed to survive what looked pretty similar to what kills Jet. I, I <laughs> thought of that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where's Zuko's you know internal hemorrhaging? Yeah, he like Come on, man. The, the like impact like the collapsed lungs i assume that happened to poor jet like, it's really one of the roughest things that <laughs> talk about you know uh 
showing us the dark stuff in a way that just barely makes it under the line for a kid show that that episode is absolutely is it it is yeah um yeah so uh any other spoilery implications from this episode um i do like the i I this isn't really spoilery but i do like this sort of contrast between the gang is growing in the last episode we get a new member and then this episode it's just to go by himself um so i'm very very excited for next week when they all kind of coalesce into one the chase the next episode is that yeah that's exciting yeah it is very exciting um so i'm yeah very thrilled to get into that episode too yeah, the only other thing I can think of is like we get more May and Zuko stuff. Like they're just hinting at more of it and more of it as, and yeah. we, but we haven't seen them in the present time interacting. But we've right. seen from May's. We actually, yeah. I don't think we've even really heard like seen Zuko in the present realize that May is around again. Like I think that he like doesn't know, but we've gotten May's perspective on it. Uh, a couple times now. Well, I love that when they show them as kids, it's not like they're a uh, cute little, uh, you know, elementary school boyfriend and girlfriend. Uh, it's that they're just the two kids that everyone else is like, ooh, look at you two. I bet you two like each other. <laughs> like they don't <laughs> actually <laughs> express any inf- affection for each other. <laughs> they're just like constantly being labeled as like, oh, there's something there, uh, which yeah. is very funny to me. Yeah, yeah, but May is like, like clearly they're like yeah. broadcasting that she like has feelings <laughs> for him. They are, they are. That's right. Um, yeah. but and I all, I mean, I, I mean, this is not really about a spoiler, but I do think it's interesting and just like sort of bizarre. But it's really about how like Azula, who Azula is that like Zuko's tormentors are these three girls who are like three years younger than him. Like, he's, <laughs> like, And I know that's like the whole thing, like Azula and Zuko's relationship is based on that, but he's like so threatened and like uncomfortable in, like playing with them, be- even though he's like older than her, which is like, that's the whole thing. But it's just, it's funny to watch it play out when they're like, the age disparity is like even more noticeable as when they're younger kids. It is wild. We never see that Zuko has any f- friends at all, other than Ursa. They, <laughs> yeah, don't, they, don't, they don't create any, you know, kind of. Uh, but yeah, they don't. They don't invent. Yeah, any he just have a buddy from his like the Fire Nation Academy for boys. Like Azula, yeah, like they don't yeah. do any of that. Um, they 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 make him so thoroughly. Zuko alone. Oh, yeah, <laughs> they do. Wow, love <laughs> Zuko solo. Amazing. God. I do think Azula always lies. I think that that is a good thing to think about anytime she speaks on the show. I do think she's yeah, never not lying and manipulating. It's true. It's true. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's about all I got on this episode. But like, I um. I feel like last week I didn't uh, say my ranking for Blind Bandit, which I believe I slotted under the storm. So it's at number, it was at number two, but I, I'm going to put Zuko alone at number one for me now. It's, we finally beat the storm. Oh, wow. Ranking, which is, just, do you guys have been doing like, uh, you know, power rankings as you go? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, yeah. We, we forget a lot, but um, I had, <laughs> I did put up a graphic for last book and I'll do the same this time. Uh, just to remind people. 
of our rankings. Uh, I mean, yeah, I it's think- hard to beat this episode. I completely agree. And I, I mean, last episode I put Blind Bandit as my new number one. And I, I do think it's just about like what your what makes a good episode of Avatar: The Last Airbender versus what makes a good episode of television. Like, obviously, right, right. this is like the best episode crafted that we've seen so far i think i mean i don't know if i should say obviously but like it seems that there's no argument that there is a better episode that they've done but i do think that like for me personally like i would probably rather watch the blind bandit or like um what's it called the blue spirit or like those sorts of episodes but like i i mean and i guess i'll parse this out in my finalized rankings but like for now like i would probably like put it as number one just like on a pure quality basis but like going back through it i'm probably not going to be able to like leave it at number one that's sure your ranking i think yeah for me it boils down to zuko on controversial opinion but zuko is my favorite character within the show and this is kind of his his uh you know his finest half hour um Uh, at least the, yeah his his star reel so uh but you're right yeah there's there's more there's there's plenty of things that make a great avatar episode that don't appear anywhere in this episode so i oh, would well, I, I could yeah how can yeah. i give a number one spot to an episode that doesn't have appa in it it's crazy yeah <laughs> uh so yeah so i think i i, I might I, I would probably say the same thing uh, i'm not going through episode by episode the way you guys are so i would probably say that this is my number one, but I'm also ready and willing to dethrone it at a moment's notice. The second <laughs> someone, uh, you know, water bends. Yes, yeah, someone. <laughs> in, 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 if there's an episode where if, if someone water bended and then f- froze the water on top of somebody in this episode, then it would be my unquestionable number. Wow. One. That's what it takes. <laughs> That's all it takes. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's cool when they do that. It is cool. In a lot of different ways, it's cool. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah, just a little uh, water temperature pun there. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of a better way to send our bitter duties on their merry way um, on their ostrich horses. Uh, so, Graham, if you want to, I guess, uh, remind the folks where to find you. Uh, you can find me uh, at uh, t- on Twitter at uh, gr8h8m underscore t3chl3r. Um, That's my favorite Star Wars character too. Oh great. yeah, well it's cool that they, they make her part of the uh, Millennium Falcon uh, <laughs> afterwards. That, that was a nice touch. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Thank you again for joining us, Graham. It's always oh, a pleasure. Anytime. Hopefully. I love the show, and I, I love being on the show. Yeah, I love discussing the episodes with you. So hopefully we'll have you back. Uh, we'd love to get back anytime yeah. uh, and I'm at reindeerks on Twitter and you can find us at Pod on Twitter and Instagram I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and Twitter I have another podcast word on the streets but I'm more focused on this podcast right now and I would just love it if you would remember to rate and review us on iTunes and to send us mailbox uh, submissions uh, we had I, we had a, quite a few episodes quite a few entries come in late for the previous episode uh that i didn't really feel like was the t- it's not the time to talk about those but the link is always the same and you can always send in your thoughts on anything you want us to discuss uh and if you want to rate us and review us on I- I- apple Podcasts, that would be awesome too right okay uh thanks everyone for listening uh see y'all next week for a two-parter we're watching two episodes next week by the way
right? No, we're not. Week after. Ignore no, me. I'm stupid. <laughs> I know. It's like two, in two weeks, I think. It's, in two we're weeks. Not doing, we're not doing two episodes. Don't, uh, Derek always lies. That's Derek, the Derek always lies. Derek, uh, uh, what's the, the most important thing about you is that you, you keep fighting even though it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's hard. Even though keep, I'm wrong. Keep fighting <laughs> to remember the episode order even though it's uh, it's hard. It's Remember true. who you are and who you are as a podcaster doing one episode <laughs> next week. It's true. I should remember that. Oh, okay. Well, uh, bye, y'all. Bye.